looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. Thanks for choosing us as your podcast of the day. We've got DJ as my co-host today. DJ, what's going on? Dante, always great to be here and to be with you. Yes, sir. And our guest today uh, is JP. So we got DJ and JP in the house. I guess they got to be DB today to fit with the two letters. Uh, DJ, do you want to tell a little bit about JP? Yeah, I, I like the play on initials. That's really good. Uh, and uh, I didn't just bring him on because of his initials or ask him to be on. Uh, JP's done a lot of stuff in a short period of time. Uh, former uh, Coast Guard uh, uh, trainer and uh, you know served in our military through the Coast Guard. He's uh, done a lot of stuff. And we actually, he's one of these guests where when you bring him on, you have to kind of pare down what area you want to focus on. So he'll likely be repeat guest for us. And with that, we'll just say sit back and enjoy what he has to discuss today on his journey and virtual assistance. Yeah, most definitely. He did a great job. We didn't have enough time with him. We could have kept going. So we'll definitely be having him back on to either talk about virtual assistance a little bit more and on to his other aspect. But great show. So let's jump right into it. All right, JP, welcome to the room. Thanks for coming on the show. What's going on? Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, not much, man. You know, it's a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Uh, I'm looking outside the window. It's foggy and rainy where I'm at. Same here in Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, South Carolina. We got a little bit of weather coming through, but we're here to brighten everybody's day. Uh, JP, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Uh, our guest name, JP Kilduff. Uh, JP, I first met uh, probably about a year and a half ago. Uh, I was uh, part of a, a real estate education group. I went in for some training and uh, up on the stage uh, comes JP. So <laughs> my first introduction to him, what I'll say is there are certain people in this industry that you're going to resonate with. Uh, and for me, JP was one of those guys. So I'm really excited to have him on the show today. He's one of these guests that uh, you have to pare down what you're going to talk to him about. The guy's done so much in such a short career. So really just a, a great example for me of how to persevere and push through things. Um, and certainly somebody I've enjoyed getting to know that I consider to be a friend. Uh, we've actually done a little bit bit of business together too. So with that, JP, I'm just going to have you introduce yourself. Yeah, awesome. Um, gosh, I wonder which event it was and what I was up on stage for whenever you met me. Uh, was it in Vegas at Ignite or was it somewhere local like Charlotte? I, I actually, it was New Jersey was the oh. first time. Oh, it, I remember that. Actually, that was the yeah, yeah, that was the first time that the, that they had ever pulled me up on stage to uh, kind of just share my experience. So that's right. Well, hey, can I tell can I tell a story about that too? Because uh, I, you know, our we broke off into teams, and our little team won. Probably not because of me, because I had some good people on the team. 
but our prize for winning was to be able to meet with you and a few of the other coaches in a private one-on-one session. Uh, and just the, the nuggets that we pulled from that, it, it was yeah. probably one of the best hours in real estate I've ever spent. Oh, that's so awesome. I remember that. That was a really good event. I really enjoyed that one. That was when, uh, in East Brunswick. Yes, East Brunswick. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, good memories. All right. So uh, let's see. Uh, to start, I would just, uh, I think what I'd start is like, I always like telling people, you know, someone asked me like, hey, in six words, can you sum up, you know, who you are? And uh, I really had to think about it. But, you know, if I had to, it's um, delinquent turned military turned serial entrepreneur has kind of been my journey through life. And, um, you know, I was, a you know, I started off as a child as a bad, bad, bad kid, uh, grew up below, um, you know, poverty and, uh, ended up making it out alive. Um, and, uh, the military had saved my life. I joined the coast guard. And I remember when I joined the coast guard, um, when I went through boot camp. You know, one of the things that I was really inspired by was my drill instructor who was able to take, you know, a hundred young men and women and kind of break them down into, um, you know, into a moment in time. I remember the moment in time, break them down into a moment in time where everybody was just completely open and receptive to be reshaped and reformed into these you know, highly motivated, truly dedicated individuals coming out to serve the country. And it was that time, it was that moment in time when I remember saying like, I want to come back and be able to do that job and be able to have that type of impact on this many people. And fast forward 16 years later, and I was able to come back and actually do something that less than 1% of Coast Guardsmen have ever been able to do, which is to become a, what it's a drill instructor. We call it a company commander in the Coast Guard. And so um, that was like my crown jewel of the Coast Guard was to be able to, uh, you know, achieve something that, you know, so few people have done. And then also, you know, through that job, the three years as a company commander, it was some of the most significant growth that I've ever had as an individual, as a leader, as a follower, as a father, as a coastie, like everything. That job was one of the best things that's ever happened to me because, um, you know, I think we probably have all heard that the, the best way to learn something is to teach it. And, you know, as I was doing the King's work of training Coast Guards men and Coast Guards women, that I was learning so much about myself. And so much of that is what I've taken into the entrepreneurial world with me, which is that discipline and that respect and that confidence and the conviction, you know, that we have to have as company commanders. So that way we can instill that into the recruits that we're training. And so it was during that time when, um, you know, at that time I was thinking that the Coast Guard was going to be a 30 year gig for me. And I was going to be in until they kicked me out um, and just ride right off into the sunset with my retirement at, at 50 years old. Um, but, you know, something had happened during that time when I was a company commander, I heard an ad on the radio, um, <laughs> which uh, you're laughing because you, I could probably one. quote yeah. the ad word for word. It's like, <laughs> this is Dan Merrill from A&E's Flip This House. And we're looking for a bunch of people in your area to flip houses with no money out of their pocket. I mean, I could go on, I could probably say the whole commercial, but 
Um, I remember hearing that one day driving to work at 4.30 in the morning to go wake up the recruits. And I only lived about a mile away from, from my door to the door to where the recruits were sleeping was less than a mile. And during that mile, I heard it like three times back to back to back. And it had been going on for like three weeks at that time. And so finally, I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to make it stop. I've got to make the ad go away. So the only way to do that is to call it and, and satisfy it, which is great marketing, by the way. Just beat them down until they give in. Um, so uh, I ended up calling it, um, booking my seat. I was able to get two free tickets to a 90-minute preview and um, you know, going into that preview, I brought my wife with me and we sat in the class and we kind of had an idea like this was going to be like a pitch to go into something else, to go into something else. And so we were open to the idea of there being something else. But during that 90 minutes, I remember we had like this little pad of paper that they give you when they walk in the door and about halfway into it, 45 minutes, I had like six pages worth of notes of things that this guy was saying about, you know, wholesaling, reverse wholesaling is what is the idea that they were pitching. And um, I remember halfway through, I was like looking at my wife and I go, holy crap, man, this is, this is a lot of great information. Like I have enough to be a little dangerous. Right. And so uh, then it goes into at the very end, he's like, all right, if you like what you've heard, you know, you can, you know, this, uh, you could go into a three-day course for $1,199. But right now, if you buy, you can get it for $199. And I looked at my wife and I was like, man, like, you know, military pay, we don't, we don't make a lot of money. I mean, we're, we live comfortably, but there's not, we don't have a lot of scratch just to like do stuff like this. Right. And I looked at her and I remember like, just thinking like, man, this is either going to be the best or the worst $200 that we've ever spent. And I said, what do you think? And she's like, ah, I don't know. She, you know, you just, just feel scammy. It feels sal salesy, you know? So uh, we got up, we went to the back. I wanted to ask more questions. And as I'm walking to the table, I just remember everybody else was walking out and they were kind of looking at us with their hand over their mouth pointing like, oh, suckers, they got you type of feeling. It was embarrassing to go back to the table just to ask questions and I got back there and they're like, hey, listen, you know, you can get a refund on this ticket up until, you know, two days prior to the event. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm sold. That's good. You know, at least if I have buyer's remorse, I can get a refund. So I bought the ticket and then there's three weeks between the two, the two day event and the three and or I'm sorry, the 90 minute preview to the three day event. That was enough time for me to almost talk myself out of going to the three-day event because what I did is I, I went home and I started googling stuff and I found bigger pockets. Uh, I'm sure that you guys know all about bigger pockets. Maybe your listeners have never been there. If you haven't, bigger pockets is an amazing, amazing community for real estate. Uh, it's got everything from yeah, from attorneys to contractors to rehabbers. I mean it's got everything. So um, we found bigger pockets and at that time there was only about 150,000 people on the on the website and everything that I was finding. What year was like, this? This was 2016. 16, okay. Yeah. Um, at that time, like everything that I was reading, they were like, don't sign up with gurus. Don't give these gurus your money. And so I kept reading more and more posts about not doing the guru thing. And then, um, so I kind of like, I went into that, I almost called and canceled because of all the crap that I was reading on, on uh, bigger pockets. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to go. She's like, get your butt over to the event. Just go. You got the tickets. Just go and see what you can do. So I went in there and I was so close-minded and I was just like, 
I'm only here because I have to be right <laughs> now. Talk about a mindset and like not getting the most out of everything. Like that's what, I mean, a lot of people suffer from that, right? Like they have this preconceived notion and they're closed minded. And so they're missing opportunities to take advantage of things. And so that's kind of the way I went in there. I remember I, I went and I, I was listening to everybody. Everyone's like, there's no tables. These seats are uncomfortable. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I was pissed going into it and it hadn't even started. And um, I sat down and I was around like three or four other people were around me. And the first session was about creative financing and how the wealthy are using good debt to get into real estate and be able to leverage and, and um, you know, grow their wealth. And it was about a two hour session. And I remember at the end of that thing, like I'm looking around my jaws on the ground. I'm like, holy smokes. Like I'm looking, I got, there was a superintendent person from the school district on the right of me. There was an attorney on the left of me. There was a contractor behind me. And I'm like looking around, I'm like, do you guys understand exactly what they just said? That was worth the $199 right there. Just understanding that concept. And so from there, my mind was open and then I went through the three-day event and, you know, and it's exactly what I, everybody says it is. It's just a sales to get you in to the program. But I think what I, you know, now looking back on it, I was okay with being sold. I, I wanted to be sold at that point after I learned that and I saw everything else and the core values and everything that they stood for from the stage, which I understand was just, you know, it was all on purpose, but I was, I was open to being sold. And I remember I went home the Saturday night, the second day, my wife didn't come. And I went home and I walked into the master bedroom where she was laying. Cause it was late. We were, this was in Philly. So I had to drive all the way from South Jersey. It was like a two hour drive to get there. So I went home Saturday night and I walked into my master bedroom and my wife was reading her book. And I just stood there at the end of the bed. And I just like nodded my head up and down like this. And I'm like, yep. And she's like, yep. What? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I think this is it. And she's like, no, it's not it. She goes, you already said you're not buying into anything. And I'm like, no, babe, this is, this is, and I just keep nodding my head up and down. And she's like, you know, and then, so she goes through what everybody goes through. She's like, with what money, where are we going to come up with the money to buy into this program? And I'm like, listen, you got to hear the stuff that I learned. I'm going to max out all my credit cards. I'm going to liquidate all the kids' college savings plans. I'm going to do this. And she's just like, yeah, no, you're crazy. She goes, I, I don't approve. And then, so I had to actually like talk to her and kind of get her through like, like this, like to me, this is exactly what I wanted at the right time. And I saw this as my future. And I was like, this is what's going to help us build our legacy. And so I just, I had to break it down. Like I, to the, like I got rid of all the fortune builder stuff. And I said, listen, have I ever put us in a bad situation? Have I, have we ever not had a roof over our head, food on our table and, and clothes on our back? I was like, just trust me. You don't have to trust them, but trust me that I'm going to grind my ass off to make sure that every we work and get everything back plus more. And so finally, she was just like, whatever. And I'm like, yes, that was it. That's all I needed. I just needed the whatever. I didn't even need a yes. I just needed a not no. And I was so I went back and, and I ended up enrolling into Fortune Builders. And it was scary, you know, to, to spend $35,000 to get into a program. Um, but it was like the fire under my butt that I needed, man. Like knowing that I liquidated my kids college savings plan, like there was nothing more motivating to me than to put that money back. And so 
I hit the ground running. I joined in February of 2016, no, March of 2016. And that first year I did eight deals. Um, I, I did four wholesales. I did four flips. Um, and then the next year I did 25. The next year I did 25. Uh, and then, you know, now we have 47 rentals. We've done over a hundred transactions in a couple different markets within Jersey. And uh, it's just been an amazing, amazing journey, you know, from that delinquent to military to serial entrepreneur, you know? Yeah. So everybody's probably picked up on the fact that I also uh, went through a similar process. Mine was actually my wife dragging me to the three day. I didn't go to the initial, you know, 90 minute or two hour or whatever it was at the time. Uh, so that was, was my entry into real estate and everybody's journey is different. Um, you can buy into a real estate program and not be successful, or you don't have to go that route. You can, you know, do it through practical experience, through going out and getting rent. And we're not here to judge anybody's journey. We're not here to endorse. We're just talking about our history um, JP's history, I think is amazing. That's certainly how we connected. Uh, so, so now JP, you talked about the number of transactions that you've done. You've talked about the military experience that you have a technology edge to you that I'll say the teaching you were doing was actually in a technology-based program. Uh, your Coast Guard experience, I think included some cybersecurity stuff. Talk yeah. to us about how all that ties together. Yeah, for sure. So, um, first I just want to say that I completely agree with you that, um, you know, everybody has their own path and, um, you know, a program like this is not for everybody. Matter of fact, most people that ask me, they're like, Hey, should I sign up for this? I'm like, yeah, probably not, man. Like it's a huge <laughs> commitment. And like, if you're not willing to give up football and fantasy, this, and like all this, like, if you're not willing to go all in, then it's, it may not be a good investment. And so I'm like, you got to like really like tune into yourself and figure out if you've got the grit to be able to get through it. If not, then go be a mentor for free or like go find a mentor and be, you know, do it that way. So I completely agree with you. Yep. Everyone has their own path. So, um, so yeah, my uh, technology background, I smile and I laugh because I thought for sure, you know, coming into, after I became a drill instructor, uh, I had one more tour after that until I got to my 20 year mark and I could have chosen to retire, or continue on. And I was very, very lucky to come out. I was an, I'm an IT by trade in the Coast Guard. Um, and I did a lot of like cable plant and network administration and help desk prior to uh, becoming a drill instructor. But coming out of the drill instructor role, I was able to land a cybersecurity role and become what they call an information system security officer, very technical term. The person that I replaced in my job retired and went and got a job for like $180,000 as a cybersecurity person up in Connecticut. And so it really, like it put my, it like it really put a lot of things into focus. I'm like, man, if I'm gonna get out, I have an opportunity to make six figures as an IT. Um, I need to do enough in real estate to be able to kind of laugh at a $180,000 offer and not feel bad about it. Right. Because, you know, you, you mentioned this, the cyber stuff, and I think it, it may intrigue you, but the one thing I'll tell you and, and the listeners is like, I absolutely hate it. I, I cannot stand being in it. I don't like technology when it comes to cybersecurity and all that other stuff. I became an it because I thought I love computers back in 2003 
And I quickly realized six months into it that the only thing I like about computers is Google, is the internet. I love being able to go on the internet and do what I want to do, but I don't like troubleshooting it and fixing it and all that other stuff. Now I was good at it because I applied myself, but it just wasn't what I was passionate about. And so that's why, you know, once I found this entrepreneurial journey, like I was like punching my ticket at 20 and I had to make sure that I grinded to, so I could laugh at $180,000 a year offer. And that's exactly what I did, man. So, um, I think you, you talked about, uh, I don't know, were you referring to mind protein when you said the other technology base? Yeah. All right. So exactly. I, I could go into that real quick. Yeah. So, um, because I, I actually hit the ground running in my coaching, uh, and fortune builders, it was about a year and a half into it. They, uh, had asked me, they're like, man, you are a great product of the system. We would love it if you could come be a coach and teach others to, be a good student and implement and help people through the things that you went through. And so I had the honor of being uh, invited to be a coach for fortune builders. So I did the, um, you know, regular mastery coaching for about a year. And then uh, they saw, you know, how my online presence was and what I was doing on social media and with my website. And they're like, man, they're like, we'd love to have you over on the internet marketing side of our coaching program. And so there was only eight coaches on that side at the time. And so again, I was lucky enough to be plucked to come over to a very, very small, tight knit group that uh, had a huge impact on what, you know, real estate businesses were able to do online. And so I did that for about a year and I was, I was helping people get their social media up and running. I was helping them understand the value of online presence. You know, we call it omnipresence, just being present everywhere. So that way, you know, your, your name becomes like a household name in your area. And so yeah, and go I got to I got to interject here because when I saw you up on stage prior to that, as I had been doing my networking, I kept seeing anchored homes. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, saw it all over the place, and I did not know that the two were one and the same. So I knew about your social media presence, but that was more about your company. And then there was this guy JP that I had also met. And it was actually after the East Brunswick event that I put two and two together. I'm like, oh, it's the same guy. That completely makes sense. And yeah, that's a phenomenal awesome. job with that. Absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's just about, um, you know, it's about sharing uh, your wins, sharing your losses, sharing your struggles, sharing the tips and the tricks. And that was one thing that I, al I was always really good at because I figured if I was going through it, somebody else was going through it as well. And if I could just share what I did to be able to, um, you know, get through a tough closing with a title issue and it helps one person, then that's why I put a lot of the stuff that I did out there just so that way I could try to motivate and encourage and help as many people as I possibly can. And in the meantime, you know, people started to see like, Oh, anchored homes, anchored homes, anchored yep. homes. And so it worked. It worked. Yeah. So I do want to put a focus here on the VAs. I want people to, you know, certainly understand your journey, which has been awesome. We appreciate your time serving the country as we do all our, our military personnel and veterans. Um, that really helped shape you, uh, the VA piece and, and some of what you've done here. Can we switch gears a little bit and yeah, move over sure. to VAs and you know, we certainly get listeners that are just dabbling in real estate. We get people uh, that are 
uh, all in on flipping, uh, maybe more geared towards rentals, some of the single family stuff, and, and also a lot of multifamily people on here. Um, so we can all use VAs, right? Uh, so tell us about VAs, uh, kind of the, the, for people that maybe don't even know that they're available, um, just start there. Uh, how can we leverage VAs and whatever it is that we're doing and, and where would be a good place to start using them? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think uh, the best way to describe that is just to give you just a small glimpse into my journey through real estate as it relates to VAs, because I think if I can share that, people will be able to relate to the certain steps no matter where they're at. And um, I would say like, so back in 2016, when I started, uh, it was about four or five months into my business, I realized like I'm getting busy and I'm wearing every single hat in my business. I was a solopreneur is what they call it, right? So I was the marketing department, the acquisitions department, the rehab department, the sales department, like all of it. I was wearing every single hat. And you can only maintain that for so long before you're like, man, I've really, if I want to grow, uh, and most of us have like a target, a, a goal of something that we want to achieve in order to do that, you're going to either have to replicate yourself um, or hire somebody or dr just drop off some of the things. And so, um, you know, one of the very first things that I did was I tried to go out onto, there's a lot of different websites you can go to. You can go to Fiverr, there's Upwork. And there's a couple of different, you know, places that you can go to and you can find VAs or virtual assistants that can do some of these tasks for you. And so one of the very first things that I tried to get off my plate, oddly enough, was like social media and um, some lead generation through Craigslist and stuff like that. And it took me, I went through a three week process of Put it, put it, trying to figure out how to put together a job description, putting that up on these websites, getting 20 to 30 applicants, you know, chunking away at the good ones and try like just continuing to like keep filtering and filtering and filtering until finally I got to about two or three of them. And then I had to do an interview process. Then I wanted to see them actually perform the skill. And, you know, three weeks later, I finally had a virtual assistant that could post on Craigslist for me. And I, I just, the first time I did it, I was like, okay, that was a learning experience. So then the second time I did it, I went and tried to find someone to manage my social media. And it was, again, it was like, I tried to shorten it, but I couldn't just because it takes that long to write the job description, filter and interview and hire another three weeks to find a social media uh, person to manage my stuff. And I just remember, I was like, good grief, man the amount of time that it just took me to hire somebody is absurd. Like I was spending so much time trying to figure out how to get this task off my plate. I could have just done it myself in a fraction of the time. So um, I did that with two VAs off of um, Upwork. And then it came time to start outsourcing a couple of other things like lead generation and I said, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so I was asking around my community on uh, who they had been using. And um, everyone had mentioned this company called Reva Global, R-E-V-A Global. So Reva stands for Real Estate Virtual Assistance. So Reva Global, I, I reached out to them and I saw that they had a couple of different things. They were doing like regular virtual assistance for almost anything that you could possibly imagine as a task for real estate. Then they had a cold calling team called deal dialers. Um, and then there was, they had some other things too. And so I was like, Oh man, I really don't like cold calling. So let me get that off of my plate first. So 
Uh, I reached out to them. I had like a 30 minute, uh, a 30 minute call. And within two days, I had somebody cold calling on my behalf because what Reva Global did was all of that three week process of me writing a job ad and vetting and all that stuff. They did all of that on the back end for me. And literally within two days, they were like, Hey, here's a couple of candidates. Um, if or here's some questions that you can ask them, if you don't have any interview questions, if you do, you can ask them and then you get to pick the one that you like. And so I was able to pick one within 30 minutes and they were calling the next day. And so that right there, I was just like, Oh my gosh, where, where were you guys at six months ago when I was, you know, spending, you know, a month trying to find a virtual assistant. So uh, I had a great experience with their cold calling team. We ended up locking down several deals from their cold calling team. And I said, all right, now I've got these other tasks. Now that the cold calling and the lead generation is working, I've got more problems that I need to get off of my plate, <laughs> like transaction coordinating, you know, like from the contract to the close, like all of those tasks, the, you know, uh, dealing with the title company, the agent, the lender documents, the, um, you know, uh, setting up utilities, like all these little transaction things that I'm like, this is, if I'm doing this, then I'm not generating deals. Um, I, I handed that off next. And it was just, you know, that journey through that was awesome. I really enjoyed my experience with them. And so fast forward four years later, I'm getting out of the military and the owner of the company was like, man, he goes, I would love if you could come over to Reva Global, be in charge of our business development department and help other entrepreneurs understand the first, second, third step of getting things off of their plate. So that way they can do exactly what you did, which was grow and scale and do 20 deals in your second year, which I wouldn't have been able to do without a virtual assistant helping me. Actually, I had four virtual assistants at that time that were helping me outsource or that were helping me scale a lot of these different departments. And so, you know, through all of that, through that timeline, I would imagine you guys probably have listeners that are right at the beginning of their journey and they're thinking like, okay, how do I even take the first step? How do I identify, you know, what tasks I even need to get off of my plate? Who's going to write the job description? How do I train somebody? And so um, if I could, I just want to spend a little bit of time on that part right there. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Perfect. So um a real quick way to identify what tasks to get off of your plate is to really identify your worth. Like, what are you worth? And there's a real quick, uh, uh, there's a simple way to do this. And it's, you know, if most people, if I were to ask most people what it is that they would like to make in a year, I bet everybody would say something over six figures, right? Uh, so if we just use $100,000 as a baseline, and you, and you divide that by the amount of hours. If you worked 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year, um, I believe that's like 2,040 hours or something like that. And if you divide that, you know, 100,000 by the amount of hours in a year, you'll see how much you're actually worth, right? And so that number right there is like 46, maybe 46, 48 dollars an hour. So now that you know, that whatever your hourly rate is worth based off of where you want to be, what you want to be making at the end of the year. Now let's look at some of these tasks, like for example, um, cold calling or sending text messages. Can you pay somebody less than $48 an hour to do cold calling? Can you pay somebody less than $48 an hour 
to do administrative tasks in your business? Heck yes. Oh, 100% all day. They're there. They're, you know, virtual assistants can do that for $10 an hour easily. So my question and what I always ask people is if you're okay with doing those $10 an hour tasks because you think money is like an issue, then you have to be okay with the result of what a $10 an hour task does. It's only going to give you a $10 an hour bank account. You want a $48 an hour bank account. You got, you can't be doing $10 an hour tasks in order to get that. And so that was like the first realization. That's the first step that I try to get people to understand is like, we have to let go of this concept of, I can't afford it. Because really at the end of the day, you can't afford not to hire somebody for a quarter of the price of what you're saying you're worth to be able to do these tasks. So once we can get over that roadblock of, uh, of the money aspect of how much a virtual assistant costs, then we can start identifying, okay, what are, what are the things that somebody else can do for me, even if it's not 100%? And that's the second roadblock that we have to get over is control. Because a lot of people, like giving up control is very difficult for a lot of people because they don't think that anybody can do it as well as them. Well, I can tell you, if you're just starting out real estate and you're coming to Reva Global and you're hiring a virtual assistant, these virtual assistants have over a hundred hours worth of training before they're even made available to anybody to hire. They all have four-year bachelor degrees from a college in, their, um, in the Philippines where, where they live. And so you have somebody who's highly educated, highly trained before they're even made available to you. And so the idea of somebody not being able to do it better than you, like we got to, we got to let go of that, right? <laughs> there are people out there that could probably do it just like you do it. And so, all right. So now that we've gone past those two things, now let's start identifying. So the first thing to do, and this was something I learned in fortune builders, and this was very very impactful, which was defining the different departments in my business. Being able to understand when I'm wearing my redevelopments hat or my accounting hat or my acquisitions hat. Because as soon as I can, I understand when I'm doing what task, I can start to say, okay, I'm looking for an acquisitions person to do all of these things, or I'm looking for someone who really understands accounting to do all of these things. And you can start to build out all these little tasks that you're doing throughout the day in these different departments. And now all of those tasks that, that, that you're doing, all of that stuff is what you're looking to get off of your plate. So you can do the things that nobody else can do, which is go to networking events and establish, you know, yourself within your community, within your networks, um, call uh, locking down the deals that your virtual assistants are generating the leads on and going to seller appointments. Cause that's where the money's made. The money is made at the networking events and setting seller appointments and, and uh, locking people up over the phone. So everything else you should be able to outsource. And raising capital too, right? Another huge And raising capital, yes, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, wow, that's really great stuff. Now, I, I like to always, uh, back in my engineering career, uh, get get the, the elephant on the table, so to speak. Um, so a lot of cool things with Reba Global. We've talked about uh, Upwork and some of the other sources of VAs. 
So the big question is, if I'm hiring experienced people, uh, probably more uh, US-based uh, actual VAs versus Upwork where you can get like foreign and domestic and so on and so forth, um, there's probably a cost difference versus going with Upwork and stuff like that, right? Can you kind of talk us through decisions we need to make uh, financially in terms of the amount of effort that you talked about initially going through Upwork, doing the whole interviewing, writing the process versus some of that benefit, uh, help people understand what they're going to be paying for these different options. Yeah. And so that's a great question. And so every company is different in what they charge. And to be honest, every company's fulfillment and promise to you for the money that you exchange with them is different as well. And the, one of the reasons why I said yes to come with Reva was because of the company that they are and what they do. And I mean, DJ, you could probably know this just like I do that fortune builders is like the gold standard of real estate education. I would, I would say, so the owner of Reva global was the very first coach inside of fortune builders and he helped build Fortune Builders to what it is. And now he has his own virtual assistant company where he implements the same standard in his virtual assistant company. And that's why I said yes. And so just to unpack that a little bit, like I said, like there's, there's not many other companies out there that have a waiting list of virtual assistants that want to apply to the company because, because Reva Global pays their virtual assistants the most. They actually get health benefits. They get paid time off. They get to work from home and not travel and in a dangerous country like the Philippines because they are all Filipino. They're all Philippine based, but there's a higher uh, standard for them to get through the door uh, because it does come with over a hundred hours of training as part, they get paid to go through training. And so just the back end, what they're building to get the highest quality virtual assistants is what I absolutely love and why I've been with them for four and a half years. And so to your point, that comes at a certain investment. So the investment for a virtual assistant through uh, Reva Global is you can do part-time. Actually, so I'll just talk about a virtual assistant in general. You can do a part-time virtual assistant for 1060 an hour. So it's a little less than, or it's a little more than $800 a month. And you get them for four hours a day, five days a week, 20 hours a week. So that's, that's a little over $800. And then a full-time is $9.60 an hour. You get a dollar break and you get them from nine to five, Monday through Friday. And so, and actually this is the third thing that I typically have to go over is most people are like, well, I don't have enough tasks to keep a virtual assistant busy for 20 hours or 40 hours a week. And I'm going to say, if you didn't have a J-O-B that was taking all of your time, I guarantee you, you could find stuff that will keep you busy from nine to five in your real estate investing company to help you generate leads and take your business to the next level. Those are the things that you hit, you get off of your plate. The things that you can't do because of your job. There's plenty of things that somebody can do to hand off 20 hours of work to a virtual assistant. So, um, so $800 a month for part-time, a little over $1,600 a month uh, for uh, full-time. Do you, so, JP, real quick. So yeah. I got two questions while we're on the topic. Being that that one's a little bit more uh, costly, so to speak, than other VAs like on Upwork or possibly Fiverr or something like that, do you suggest someone that doesn't have a lot of funds available? So if someone's listening to this, do you think they should start with that 450 an hour 
uh, guy on Upwork to uh, help out with tasks, but also keep within their budget a little bit? Or do you think that productivity is worth the $10 an hour, so to speak, to work in their business for the VA? Yeah, so that's a great question. And so I would say like, if you're putting the, the two options together, you have to just weigh out, um, you know, are you willing to put in the work, the three month, the three weeks that it takes to hire somebody? And then on top of that, manage this $4 an hour person to make sure that they're doing exactly what you need the way that you need it, or is, is investing a little bit more upfront. And then also the one thing that we didn't even talk talk about is every virtual assistant that you get with Reva Global, it comes with a what's called a client service manager. So it come there is a manager that's over your virtual assistant that's managing that virtual assistant on a day to day there. So that it, it is huge. It takes away because think about like the other option is you're just trading doing the the task for managing somebody who's doing the task. And now you're, no, paying you're exactly for right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Someone we had on the show previously, they had 15 virtual assistants and one of those virtual assistants, their job was just strictly to manage those four to $5 an hour virtual assistants. So I'm not, it works for him, but in other senses, it could be counterproductive. And so this leads me to the question, correct me if I'm wrong. The Philippines is a 12 hour difference than us, correct? Uh, I think that's about right. They are almost exactly a 12 hour difference. So are these individuals working nine to five, as far as their 9 PM to our 5 AM to be cold calling and be active with people in this coast? Or how does, how does that work as far as time zone difference goes? Yeah, that's a great question. So during the onboarding process, one of the things that they ask is when do you want your virtual assistant to work? And then if you're, if it's nine to five Pacific standard time, they will find a virtual assistant that will work that nine to five uh, Pacific standard time. So I would say the majority of them probably work through the middle of their night and are available for our day. Right. Cause especially if they're cold calling or doing something that has to be done in real time versus just online tasks or graphic design or something like that, that can be done during their. Uh, 100%. And that's a, that's a great point. I mean, so we have a social media management company as well, and we use virtual assistants from Reva Global to do a lot of that. And they work from 11 at night to four in the morning when we're asleep and what's normal daytime for them, but they don't need to be online to talk to anybody because they're doing exactly what you just said, the graphic design and stuff like that. Right. It'd be pretty funny if they're like, this company keeps posting at like 2 a.m. in the morning. I really don't understand why it's some some virtual assistant in the Philippines posting for it. <laughs> Man, that guy, JP, he never sleeps. Yeah, yeah literally. Exactly. <laughs> it's the reaction you want. He's working hard for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, JP, uh, we want to move into our, our closing section uh, and, but before we do that, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, that's uh, man. So that's always a tough question to answer because I am a serial entrepreneur and I have so many different, uh, ways to get a hold of me, but I would say, um, right now, the best way to find, uh, me and everything that I've got going on is through my website. It's called inspiredable. So it's a mashup between the word inspired and able. Um, so inspiredable.com. 
And then on there, I have like everything that we have going on. You know, we own a skip tracing company, social media management company. Uh, we're, we work for Reva. We got a bunch of stuff. So inspiredable.com. And then you can always, my phone number, my email is right there on there. And you can always book a session with me if you just wanted to talk about all, any and all things real estate. Yeah. So more than just uh, VAs, uh, certainly JP will be able to guide people uh, through their online presence, lead generation, there's just a, a ton that he's done and uh, just really appreciate uh, certainly what you uh, poured into me, how you've helped me on my journey. And with that, Dante, uh, you ready for our little lightning round here? Yeah, let's head over. Uh, I mean, JP, real quick, we're obviously, we're going to have to have you back on the show because we could have sat here and talked for another hour or two hours um, and you just do so many things. So we'll definitely have you back on the show here and your army of a hundred virtual assistants as well. <laughs> but let's head over to the section of the show called the curious cues. We're going to fire some questions at you that we ask all the guests. First question being favorite podcast you enjoy listening to. I really, um, I really enjoy the Bigger Pockets podcast. It's, it was the one that I started with and, uh, you know, Brandon Turner and, you know, the whole crew over there. I, I don't I just really enjoy that one. They have a lot of different guests on there. So that would be my go-to. They do. They've got a nice variety and I've, I've listened to about a lot of them too. And that's where I got my start. And this one guy I meet with, we go and get coffee like once every other month. He's literally listened to every single episode three times. I'm like, geez, brother, how do you, how do you got like, so much time for that? But uh, favorite book you enjoy reading? Uh, the one that I've just, uh, the one that I just read that I found the most value was called Profits First. Uh, that was an amazing book that we implemented uh, this year for all of our businesses. And I get paid on the 10th and the 25th now out of all my businesses. I like it. Biggest hurdle in real estate you've had to overcome besides getting your wife to say yes to draining your uh, children's college fund. <laughs> Losing $12,000 on my very first project. Oh my goodness. I'm sure she had so much faith in you at that point too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. I kept it a secret. <laughs> T touch on it. So quick 30 seconds, we'll say touch on it. What kind of deal was it? Was it a flip or I think you just said it, but go ahead. Yeah, it was, uh, it was my very first flip. I got it two weeks into being a real estate investor uh, and I hired the wrong contractor. Uh, he ended up uh, he knew that he wasn't going to be able to stay in the budget. So he told me the septic tank was good. He, he forged this certificate that said it was good. And then I went to go to sell the house and they were like, it's got a bad septic. You got to replace this. Well, that's $18,000. Um, so on top of that, he ran off with $5,000 that I gave him prior to that. So $23,000 in the hole, um, after paying back everybody, I ended up losing $12,000. Wow. But Hey, you're, you're, uh, you're humble about it and you tell people about it. You learned, right? Yeah. 100%. It was definitely something. That's why I got eight deals in the first year because I had to make up for that first one. There you go. You're kind of burning the bridges, right? You, you or burn the boats. I should say you, you can't turn back yeah. favorite non-real estate related hobby. So what are you doing in your free time? Uh, my family, dude. My family is number one. I, I'm, I'm still a kid at heart. And so I love playing unmountable horsey where I sit on the ground and I let my kids try to mount me and I buck them off. And, you know, like that's that and my son, my son is 17 years old. He's really into cars. And so I just love listening to him tell me about all the cars and stuff like that. So my family's no, my no more horsey family. with him. No, he'd break my back. He's, he's two <laughs> inches taller than me. That is hilarious. Uh, newbie advice. So what advice would you give to someone that's looking to get started? Um, you know, 
Gosh, that's that's tough. Uh, there's there's so many different things, right? And one of the things that DJ that you said starting off this podcast was, um, you know, being able to have perseverance and pushing through. And so, I would say just make sure that there's a lot of negative. There's a lot of negativity in real estate. You hear a lot of people who have done bad deals and say that stuff doesn't work. Get those people outside of your circle and surround yourself with successful people. That would be like my number one thing is just making sure that your core group of people that you put yourself in are successful so you can model and aspire to be just like them. Yeah. Stay away from the uncle Bob who was like, yeah, I had a single family rental. I had the worst tenant on earth, but he also did no screening, no proper management. Don't want to surround yourself with that person. Love that advice. Um, JP, thank you so much for coming on the show. Like I said, I had DJ kind of take lead here because you guys have done some business together. You've got that relationship. I think he did a great job. Uh, DJ, any, any last words here? No, just really appreciate having him on very much. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. And I'll make sure to share the, um, you know, I've got a couple of Reva Global links that your um, listeners can click on so they can learn more about Reva Global and the different things that they can get off of their plate. Awesome. Thank you so much, JP. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.